much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. I love this scripture because it focuses on the fact that Christianity is not just about getting to heaven when you die. For many people... It would have been enough for Jesus to have been born by a virgin, live in Palestine somewhere, then die on a cross for everybody's sins so that we could all get to heaven. And that would have been enough. But there's a whole lot of other stuff that's recorded there that he came for rather than just to get us into heaven. The important thing is about how we live our lives while we're here. Um, Getting into heaven is not the entire goal of our faith. It's a good part. It's an important part. It's a great part, but it's not the whole part. Um, the the whole um, the whole impact of of salvation of what Christ has done is that we would be empowered to live the kind of life that would bring change, transformation, and influence in our world to bring to bring transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. If it was just about having Christ in our life and then going to heaven when we die, it would be like having the cross without the kingdom. But the whole message of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Jesus, all, the, all commentators say that the, the major focus of Jesus' message was about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, which Jesus said is here now, which is at work now, which is beginning now and is slowly like, like yeast amongst dough bringing change and transformation. And so as the church, as Christians, as believers, it's important that we understand that, that our goal is not just to live our lives and then hopefully one day we get to heaven, but to utilize what we've been given to shape and direct our lives in accordance with God's purpose individually for us and through the church to bring change and transformation, to bring the kingdom of God to earth, to manifest it in the world. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. And in Christ, if you, if you read the Bible, eternal life has already begun. Eternal life doesn't begin when you get to heaven. Jesus said it's here now. The kingdom is here now. When you're born again, Christ comes into your life. Eternal life starts then and there. And when we die and get to heaven, it's just a, a continuation of the kind of life that we're supposed to be living now. The shape, obviously not in its fullness, um, but part of it. Uh, there's many, many scriptures that, that confirm this, that encourage this. Colossians 1.10 says this, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. I think many people have confused the whole idea about that, that getting to heaven is what it's all about, and that there's another kingdom because of the Scripture. If you know the Scripture where Jesus is talking to Pontius Pilate, if you know that story, and Jesus says these words, He says, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. Who, who's heard that? Who's read that? And many of the church um, translators 
have translated it that way. My kingdom is not of this world, which gives us the impression that his kingdom is somewhere else. And therefore, what's going on here, although it's okay, it's not as important that, that there's another kingdom going on. And at some point, in some way, when we die, we're going to go and become a part of that great kingdom. That's the, the thinking that we've had. And yet, uh, the original Aramaic literal translation or the Aramaic literal translation of the Bible, it's, it puts it this way, which I think changes the way we perceive what Jesus was saying. It says this. It says... My kingdom is not from this world. He doesn't say my kingdom is not, of, that word can be translated of, from, of or from. And so what he was saying was that not that my kingdom's not of this world, it's of another world and, and we're all going to go there someday. What he was saying was my kingdom's not from this world but it is here now, it is at work now, and I am the king of that kingdom, and it is going to bring transformation. And so we need to be aware that the way we live our lives, what we're doing, our whole purpose for existence, our whole focus of our world is about the kingdom of God, His ways, His purpose, the permeation of His desires into the world, into people's lives that bring faith, hope, and love that bring transformation to the world that we're living in right now. Ephesians 1.11 says this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It's in Christ we find out who we are. You don't know who you are until Jesus tells you who you are and what you're living for until the Creator, Sustainer, author of all life, come and says, this is who you are. This is why I made you. This is why I shaped you. This is why I brought you into the earth. You've got no idea. Maybe it's just to make more money. So I said last week, a friend of mine who's a managing, uh, like a um, management consultant and we're talking about what we're wanting to do. And I said, you know, I wanted to change people's lives and bring social entrepreneurship and, and have an influence in that area. And he's like, yeah, that's awesome. My goal's to Earners to, to buy as much property before I die. And I'm like, well, it's, it's okay to buy property and own property and there's no issues with that. But if that's the whole sole purpose, desire, direction of our life, then it's falling far short of the, of the glorious purpose of God that is available in Christ Jesus. His design and His desire for you and me is an effective, fruitful, influential life. That's what God once for your life. That's why Christ came to bring change. One that is shaped, directed and led by the Holy Spirit within and through the church without. Um, so how do we do this? How do we live this kind of life? Because anyone that's lived for any period of time, you understand that there's influences, there's pressures, there's things going on, whether they be spiritual, whether they just be cultural. Um, going on in the world. And so I want to just spend the, the next part of my uh, message just talking about how do we then, if we know why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing, how do we maintain that focus? How do we continue to press towards the goal that we've been called in Christ Jesus without being sidetracked, without being influenced, without being... Um, I guess, watered down by the things that are going on around us. Um, 
And it's inevitable in life uh, that you're going to face pressure. Whether it be when you're younger, when you're at school, university, when you start in the marketplace, in the workplace, whether it be family, whether it be colleagues, whether it be other people in our world, there is pressure to be a certain person, to live a certain way, to fit in and conform to the mold and the, and the model that is presented. This is acceptable. And yet Jesus comes and he says, I don't want you to live that way. The word here in the original, uh, that original scripture that I was talking about, 2 Corinthians, where it says, the smallness you feel, Although that's a, that's a paraphrase from the message translation, the original word there in the Greek is the word, and forgive me all the Greeks out there for my pronunciation, stena, stena kararo. How good's that? Peter, how good's that? <laughs> Peter's Greek. <laughs> stena kararo. And the, and the word means... <laughs> to compress, to cramp, to straighten, to narrow. And I want to. I brought a prop in today. I don't. I don't preach with props very often, but I've got a prop to demonstrate what Paul was trying to say by this word. Who knows what this is? That's well. You can use it as a garlic press, but it's actually for making gnocchi. So you put your boy your potatoes, you put it in there and it presses it out. But I want to use this to demonstrate what Paul was talking about in this scripture when he talked about the way the Corinthian church had allowed the pressures that were on around them to shape them and confine them into living a small life. So I just, I took this out of my collection of Play-Doh, <laughs> which uh, I got for my birthday this year. <laughs> so, this is what that word stenokararo means. <laughs> so, if this is our life, any blue people out there? <laughs> so, this is our life, right? So, we're living our life and we, you cannot live in a vacuum. We live in a world that has pressures, constraints, spiritual forces that the Bible talks about that are that are shaping us, and also just cultural pressures to live in, in a certain way. And so what this scripture is saying, that when you live in the world and in, within the pressures and the confines and the, and the labelling and the definitions that are placed upon your life, those pressures will cause to shape you in a certain way. And so when they come, what will happen is when the pressures of life come down, you'll come and be conformed a certain way. Who can see that? So, and so, don't get it on the carpet, the cleaners are telling me. Um, and so, let me put this down for a sec. So, pressure comes on. Oh, thank you, Alex. Pressure comes on from life, or maybe it's from friends, or maybe it's from work colleagues, or maybe it's your boss. And those pressures come on to shape us and form us to live our lives the same way as everybody else so that we all act, behave, look the same. That's what that word, thank you Alex, can we give Alex a big hand? That's what that word says when Paul is saying 
to cramp, to straighten out, to narrow, to compress and to confine our world, that when you allow the pressures of this world and of all these other influences that are on around us, then they will force us and shape us to live our lives, to think about our lives and about our future in a certain way. And Paul's saying, that's not my desire for your life. That's not my desire for your future. That I've put something inside of you that will allow you to live beyond, above, and even in the midst of the pressures, the confines, the constraints, the definitions, the labels that people, that organisations, that spirits, that the whole world will try and put on you so that you can live your life in the way that I desire you to be and the way I want you to live your life through Jesus Christ. And so I haven't got one here, but what Jesus is saying is that if you're going to live the kind of life that I want you to live and I've called you to live, so if I, I don't have one here, but if I had a marble, if I put a marble in there and I tried to press it down, it won't come out because the consistency, if you like, of the marble is so solid that the pressure that's placed upon it by the plastic is not enough to force it to be and to come out of the the shape at the bottom. And so Jesus is saying, when you're filled by my Spirit, when you allow my Word to get inside of you, then the pressures on the outside will not be strong enough to press in what's going on on the inside. That there is something greater on the inside than what's coming on on the outside. That's why it's so important that we allow God's Spirit to fill us continually on the inside. That there's a strength, a solidity, a consistency inside which is greater than the pressure that's coming from the outside. So that you can, yeah, come on, let's give the Lord a hand. That's the way God wants you to live your life. And yet, Oftentimes without even knowing it because because we either don't understand what we're about, we haven't defined who we are and way we're supposed to be living, we don't have that on the inside, then the pressures, the constraints and and the and whether it's people, other people's opinions or what people are saying or or peer group pressure or whatever it is, causes us to behave and to live our lives in a certain way. And we all face it. I remember don't get that on the carpet. Um, I remember um, when I was at uni and uh, I remember going to uni, first year of uni and uh, I met these great guys, awesome guys. I did my first year at Newcastle University and um, met these great guys and uh, hanging out with these guys and they were a lot of fun. Um, I didn't do everything they did, but they, they drank a lot of beer, smoked a lot of weed, and uh, had a good time. In fact, one of the guys was doing law at university. And when I came, he'd been at, he'd been at uh, Newcastle Uni for three years. He was still doing his first year of law. <laughs> he could literally say, the first year of law were the best three years of my life. <laughs> So he was having a good time. He was, these guys were just, they were just living their life. 
And I remember coming into that environment out of home and, and feeling the pressure to, to conform and to, to live the same way and to be accepted. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be included. We all want to be a part of the in crowd or the people that uh, are having fun or whatever. And I remember feeling that pressure. And, uh, and then fortunately, I met some other people who were um, Christians up there at the time. And I started building this other friendship group. And and the relationships in that group and the support in that group and the, the praying and, and my own personal Christian walk and obviously going to church um, allowed me to, although still be friends with those guys and still enjoy their company and, and hang around them, not be pressured into and conformed into living the same kind of lifestyle that they were living. I remember, you know, I remember when I was in the workforce, I think I've told this story before and I was... I was a, uh, a sales a rep with an organisation and the sales manager at the end of the year having a celebration and, and he said, oh, we're going to take you all out for lunch and we, it was out, in, out Sefton Way, which is out west and, um, and uh, we rock up and, uh, and we're all getting out of the car. I'm thinking, no, I haven't been here before and oh, this doesn't look too flash hot or too crash hot and uh, we're walking in and, then I, and it was a topless bar. And... Uh, and I'm going, flip. This is my, I'm, I'm sort of new there. I've been there for the first year. It was my first year there and the manager and all the guys go, yeah, we got in here, whatever. And I'm just like, man, what am I going to do? And uh, you, wanna, you, you don't want to be the odd one out. You don't want to be the, oh, the party pooper. You don't, but, but you've also got to live by the principles and the, and the commitments that you've made in your heart to live your life a certain way. And so I remember walking towards it and I'm thinking, God, what am I going to do? I, I'm, I don't want to go in this place. Anyway, I said, oh, look, I ended up saying, hey, look, guys, I, I just, I don't want to go in. I don't want to go. I know I told them I was a Christian and everything. And they're like, ah, oh, you'll be all right. Don't worry about it. We won't tell your pastor. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. You know, they go, no, I'll be right. And I, anyway, I'm walking and I said, look, I, I'm not, I, I, it's okay. I said, you guys go in. I, I don't want to go in there. I really don't want to go in there. Um, so you guys go in, have a good time, and I'm going to get a taxi and I'll just go back to the office. And uh, they're like, no, what are you talking about? Come on, it's the end of the year. You know, and I'm like, no, I can't do it. I don't, I don't want to do it. So I'm not going to stop you guys. You guys go ahead and do what you want, but I'm not going in. I'm going back to the office. And then uh, one of the other guys says, I didn't really want to go in there either. <laughs> and so the manager goes, oh, all right, then we'll go down to, uh, what was some steakhouse down the road. I can't remember which one it was. But um, Hooters. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, And uh, so anyway, and so anyway, the reality was no one really wanted to go in there, but they were just feeling like, oh, that's the that's what you do when you mail and you do this stuff, and everyone's conforming. Everyone's no one's really wanting to go there, and yet only because I guess I had uh, other principles and and had other. Um, had something else going on on the inside that I was able to say, you know what, I don't, I don't care. Uh, what's the worst they can? What's the worst can happen? I can be ostracised. I could lose my job, lose my house, and everything that I own. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> easy come, easy go. No, <laughs> no I, um, 
I just thought, you know what, there's, there's always times in our lives where you will have to make a choice. Am I going to stand up for what I believe in? Am I going to separate myself? Am I going to be conformed and shaped by the way I'm expected to live or what I'm expected to do or what I'm expected to beha- way I'm expected to behave? Or am I going to say, no, look, this is the way I live my life. This is what I believe. This is how I go. And sometimes that will cost you something. Um, it didn't at that, in that particular, and they all went, and the reality is that they all respected me more afterwards than they did before. Um, and so pressure will always come. Um, whether you're at, you know, at school, I remember when I was at school as well, around uh, year 11 and year 12, and a lot of guys at that time started smoking dope and started, you know, um, experimenting with different types of, um, uh, different types of drugs. And um, I just... I'd go on to Sunday school, but I'd given my heart to the Lord in year 11 and was just beginning to, ex- uh, like, um, not experiment, but I just begin to, to uh, get full on for, for Jesus Christ. And, and I'm so glad that it happened to me at that point because although I was still friends with all these guys and all these things were going on, I never, I never got involved. Um, I, never, I never allowed that to uh, influence me because I had received Christ and he'd given me a different vision for my life, where I was supposed to do, how I was supposed to live my life. And so when the Corinthian church, when Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church, he was writing about certain things that have been happening in the church. And, and so he's saying when he's using that word, stenakareo, oh, that sounded better, stenakareo, <laughs> is that all right, Peter? <laughs> You're such an encourager. <laughs> to compress, to cramp. What he was saying to the, he's writing the Corinthians church and he's saying to them, listen guys, you're living your lives in a small way because he'd heard about the way, well, the things that have been going on in the church at the time. And if you read through the first and second Corinthians, you can see that, that, that the certain things that were happening were no different to what happens in the world. If you read through there, you see that church members were suing each other. Take, church members were taking each other to court over different issues that were going on and couldn't resolve issues. It, it says that Paul was hearing about infighting and factions within the church, people grappling for control, wanting to do this and what do that. In fact, he says there's even people getting drunk at communion. <laughs> Imagine that. I mean, we don't use real alcohol, so you have to drink a lot of juice <laughs> to get drunk here. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, when, the, when you know, the leftover cups get put up there and you go out there and see all the kids drinking them. <laughs> like it's not real alcohol. Um, but they were using real alcohol and they were having meals and stuff. And it's saying, you know, people are they're coming to church and, and they're getting drunk at church and, and overindulging in, in food and alcohol. And in fact, he says that there's even, there was even a case of incest. Can you believe this? There was a case of incest within the, that Corinthian church and no one was saying anything about it. And Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthian church and he's saying, guys, there's pressures that come on to conform in a certain way, but Jesus Christ 
does not put that kind of pressure on you, that he puts, that he puts a spirit in you. So that the spirit in you is greater than the pressure on you. So that you can live your life in accordance to what he says and how he says to live our lives. And, and so he's writing to the church and he's saying, I want, you to, I want you to enter into the wide open spacious life that Christ has offered you. And yet you're living your life in such a small way because you're allowing the pressures of the world and the confines, the labels and the definitions of the world to cause you to live your life in this way. And there's a bigger way to live. There's a more open and expansive way to live your life where Christ on the inside actually permeates out of your life and begins to push back and live beyond the pressures that come from this world, whether they be spiritual, whether they be social, whether they be whatever, family. I mean, I don't know how many times in church over the last 16 years of pastoring this church, you see people come in, they get full on for God and then, um, and then they say, oh, I can't come to church on Sundays anymore because now our family have a family breakfast every Sunday. Now we're into family. We believe in family. We're committed to family. But I remember my sister when she first started getting full on for God and, and uh, she was mar- uh, she ended up meeting her husband. They get married and I remember her saying that, that as soon as they started her husband got saved and started getting committed to church. As soon as they got committed to church, as soon as they got committed to things of God, his family, which were all unsaved, unsaved, very anti-church, started saying, oh, we want to do a breakfast on Sunday mornings now. And they're like, well, hold on. Um, and then it's just, then it becomes awkward. It's like, well, hold on, we go to church on Sundays. Oh, well, you know, are you committed to the family or not? So often, the devil will come in and cause us, and then they're like, oh, well, we'll go to church every second week because they're not wanting to offend, you know, the family, and they want to get on with people and want to live it. And I remember my sister, who's, who's um, not backward in coming forward, <coughs> shall, shall I say. Um, but anyway, she ended up saying to her husband's families, no, we're not going to your family barbecue anymore or your family breakfast, because we go to church. Um, and if you move it to another time, we'll come. And anyway, after a little bit, they ended up moving it to lunch. And so they kept going to, kept going to the family barbecue. But uh, there's so many areas in our life where, where there'll be pressure to live your life in a certain way. And that doesn't mean that you become obnoxious. obnoxious. It doesn't mean that you become, you know, just uh, painful because um, we're supposed to remain winsome. We're supposed to remain accommodating. We're su- supposed to remain um, open and, and uh, inviting. But you've also got to not compromise on what we're called to be and to do. And to say, you know what, these are the things that God has called me to do and this is how he's called us to live our lives and, and we want to be involved in family and we want to do these other things and we want to be a part of that, uh, but we're committed to the house of God. We're committed to the purposes of God. We're committed to the, the kingdom of God. Um, and, and so we, we need to work these things out. Um, so often these things happen. So often we're put in positions where we have to choose. And they're not always easy. Um, they're not always as clear cut as the Corinthians we're facing and what Paul was saying 
But the reality is uh, we all at times are tempted uh, or influenced to, to begin to live our life in a certain way. Um, and I want to encourage you here today in relation to what Paul is saying here, what he was saying to the Corinthian church. He was saying, don't live your life in a small way. Don't allow your life to be conformed, constrained, limited, pressed down, cramped, and shaped to be a certain way by the world. But allow the pressure, not the pressure, but the influence of the Holy Spirit of God's word, of God's calling to rise up on the inside that then sustains us so that the composition, if you like, of our spirit and of our life has, although we're still soft and loving and, and, and compassionate, there's a strength and a resilience on the inside that will not allow us to be crushed, to be shaped, to be conformed. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's God's spirit within that allows us to do that as individuals and as a church. Um, and so allowing that, that spirit and that way to, to then begin to live out of us so that there, brings, there does bring transformation to the world. There, there does bring change. And, so, and look, sometimes that will be a challenge. Um, sometimes you may be asked to do something in your workplace that compromises your beliefs, that compromises what you know is right, compromises your conscience. And at that point, you've got to make a decision. Am I going to allow myself to be conformed because I'm afraid that I might lose my job, that I'm going to be ostracised, I'm not going to be included, that I'm going to be not part of the in crowd or everyone's going to think something bad about me? that there might be some negative connotations or am I going to allow God's Spirit on the inside that allows me to go, you know, and not in, a, not in an obnoxious way, but to say, you know what, I just, I can't do that because I, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ. I, I believe in the Word of God. I believe that's not right. I don't believe that's the right thing to do. I don't think it's honourable. I don't think it's truthful. I don't think it's legal maybe even but to make a stand. Whether it's, in the, whether it's at university, whether it's with the mums at, school, uh, at the school or with the playgroup, because there's always pressures to do certain things and to behave certain ways. But Jesus Christ, through His Word, through His Spirit, says to us, you can live a bigger life. You can live a far more expansive and influential life if you stand up for what you believe and say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm heading for. And I'm not going to compromise on those things. I'm going to stand. I'm going to make a stand. And uh, in those famous words of Bob Dylan, he said, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for everything. So at some point, you've got to go, what do I actually believe? What do I believe? And how's that affect the way I live my life, the decisions and the choices that I make with my life, the behaviours that I allow and I disallow? And as Christians and the believers, we're saying Jesus Christ sets the standard. Jesus Christ has outlined the kind of life He desires us to live. And that if we live that life and we allow His Spirit to come out of us, 
then it's going to change the lives of others as well. It's going to bring faith, hope and love. It's going to bring transformation. It's going to bring reconciliation. It's going to bring healing and hope to those that need it. Let's close our eyes here this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, that we can live a wide open life and and yet not influenced by the forces, whether they be spiritual, whether they be cultural, whether they be relational, that would desire to shape and conform and limit us and put pressure on us to to look a certain way, to think a certain way, to live a certain way. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you fill us, that you fill us on the inside. You fill us afresh, fill to the top, so that no matter what pressures come on us, we have the substance on the inside to remain the people you've called us to be the person you've called me to be to live the life you want me to live you know we've all made mistakes we've all let ourselves down and let others down in different ways shapes or forms different areas of regret I want to encourage you here today maybe Maybe there's something that you've done that compromised your conscience. You know it wasn't right. Or maybe you made a decision under pressure, whether it be at school, whether it be at university, whether it be in the workplace. Could be on your tax. Could be some kind of legal thing where it was grey. But in your heart, you've, you've, you've gone against your conscience. You know it wasn't right. to take this opportunity right here right now to just confess that to God the Bible says if you confess the Bible calls that sin it's simply sin is simply knowing what's right and doing something else having a standard set by God and not living up to it So, Father, as we, why don't we all stand here? Father, I just thank you by your Holy Spirit. If that message is spoken to you, I want you to live your optimum life. I want you to live a life of influence. I want you to live a life that is expansive, that is open, just like Jesus Christ promises. An abundant life full of hope, full of opportunity but also one that doesn't compromise to get sometimes what we think we want. Don't compromise. If you're here today, and I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up or anything like that, but you know that you've done something, you've said something, you've acted in some way that you know wasn't right. Maybe you took advantage of a person or a situation. You know it wasn't right selfish thing to do but you know it's not right or maybe you've behaved in a certain way done something where the next day you absolutely regretted it 
Here's your opportunity right here, right now to just bring it before God and let the cleansing, healing, washing, power of His Holy Spirit bring forgiveness. Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We all make mistakes. We all have regrets. I thank you, Lord Jesus. That's why you came. We aren't able to live a perfect life. We all succumb in some way, shape or form. But we pray that you would empower us, that we might live the life you've called us to live. And when we do fall short, when we do make mistakes, to come back, to be forgiven, to be washed clean, to get up again and to go forward, to not live in condemnation, in regret of the things that have happened or have been done, but to take a hold of the future in the power of your Holy Spirit, knowing that the best is yet to come. The best years of our life are still ahead of us. The biggest opportunities still lay in front of us. Thank you, God. Maybe you're here today, I'm just going to finish with this, but you've, maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer that said, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you. here today and you've never prayed that prayer you may have been to church you may have done religious things you may have done courses you may have prayed prayers but you've never prayed a prayer to God and said God come into my heart I want to know you today's your opportunity maybe you've done that once before or maybe several times but you know you're away from God right now you know you're not close to God. You know you're not living the way you should be living. I want to encourage you today to get back on track and let Jesus Christ bring cleansing, bring you back in track and on track with what He's got for your life and for your future. If that's you here today. You either never prayed that prayer that asked Jesus Christ into your life or you know you're, you're just away from God right now but you want to come back. If that's you, just put up your hand so I can see it. I'm going to pray for you at the end of this service. Just put it up high. I'm going to say, yeah, Jesus, I want you in my life. I need to get back on track. I need to get my life back in order. If that's you, just put it up high so I can see it. We'll pray right at the end of this service. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the power of your spirit the direct direction of your word and I thank you Father that you enable us to live our life at an optimum level above the pressures the constraints the temptations and live in accordance with vision and purpose coming through your Holy Spirit in Jesus name.